Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about servanthood. This is lesson number five. I thought we were going to end last week, but we've got to change. And that's okay. We'll go with the flow. Amen. That okay? So we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning at verse 15. And if there was a subtitle to this, it would be finding the purpose of God for our lives. Finding the purpose of God. Finding it and fulfilling it. See, I have set before you t- today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give them. Everything has a purpose. Everything. A clock does what? Tells time, right? An automobile provides transportation, right? A lawnmower does what? Cuts grass. We can go on and name all kind of appliances and everything that's out there in the world, it all has a purpose. If it can't fulfill its purpose, what needs to be done? replaced fixed I would say if you could fix it fix it but if not then you have to replace it right anybody here ever have to replace an appliance we all have right especially don't you love the ones that are guaranteed for life whose life but anyhow if everything has a purpose every life has a purpose you have a purpose I have a purpose we all have a purpose but if we don't know what that purpose is then we can live our lives outside the realm of the purpose that God has for our lives if we do that or we can live and we'll die but we'll miss out on the blessings that God has for us both now and in eternity now before we talk about the biblical perspective on purpose there are different views that people have with regard to purpose the first view being this one life has no purpose and trust me I've talked to people that have said here's life you live you die when you die you cease to exist and that's the end of it all and that's their view of their purpose of life Well, the Apostle Paul addressed something like that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32. And this is what he said. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage 
it me if the dead rise not. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And what he was saying was, if that's all there is, is this life, then you might as well just eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, sow your oats, live the way you want to live, do what you want to do, no restraints whatsoever, just satisfy yourself, satisfy your carnal needs, and so on and so forth. Why? Because when you die, you don't exist any longer. So that's it. Well, that's not true. Next one. Notice this. Life's purpose is self. It's all about me. My hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my success, my achievements, whatever it is that I can gain in this life, that's why I'm living. That's my purpose to live. As much money as I can make, as much fame as I could possibly have, and so on and so forth. Jesus addressed that perspective. And what did he say in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests. And take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be in dying also, for whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it in Eternal life, that is, and whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here for my sake shall find it life everlasting. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? So what's he saying? That perspective is shot down as well. Life does have a purpose and it's not going to be to fulfill our own desires. Number three, what about this one? Life's purpose is found in our career or our profession. And many think that way and feel that way. There's a difference between who you are and what you do. Your profession may be what you do, but that's not who you are. Besides, my example is this one. Adam got fired from his job. Did you know that? He got fired because he didn't live his life to fulfill God's purpose. Now, I don't know exactly how it took place, but I can only assume, and if you allow me, give me some latitude, he probably had two security guards that came up over him in the garden and escorted him out of the garden, wasn't allowed to take his computer, his iPad or his cell phone or anything like that, had to leave everything there in the office. He was escorted out of the garden and taken to a place to where he could no longer get back in because he was fired because he, he didn't live to fulfill his life purpose. So apparently his job wasn't his only purpose in life, was it? No. And then the next one is admirable. It's for family. Life's purpose is found in family. It's all about family, and family plays a big role in it and a big part of it. But that is not everything because Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 37, these words. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So apparently it's something even beyond that, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Well, what is the biblical perspective then when it comes to life and our purpose in life? why we're living, why we're breathing, why we're walking upon this planet. We saw it in our original text scripture in Deuteronomy, once again, chapter 30. And look at here in verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what's the next word? Choose. Choose. Life. Choose. In other words, it's all laid out here for you on the table, and you've got a choice to make. You could choose life or death, 
blessing or cursing, good or evil. But the key word is choose that both you and your descendants may live. So in other words, what he's telling us is that free moral agency is the reason why you and I are placed on this planet to live our lives. Because it is so powerful that before God could allow man to exist eternally, he had to determine what he would do with his free moral agency. He had to prove to the living God that he would use his most powerful force, which is free will, to serve him. That's why we're alive on this planet. That's why we live. That's our primary purpose in, in life. As a matter of fact, we can choose our destination. We can choose our destiny. Our destination is where we spend our eternity. We're living in the land of the dying. And when we die, we go to the land of the eternal living. And where we spend that eternal living is based on a choice that we all make. We can choose our destiny. Our destiny is the trip along the way. This is the trip along the way. And when this temporal life is gone, eternity is ahead of us. It's before us. And where we spend that eternal destination is based on choices that we make here on the earth. So God couldn't let man exist with this all-powerful force, free will, without him proving what he would do with it, without passing the test. So we're here to prove to God that we choose to love and serve him as an act of our personal will. Now, if there's a choice to make, there has to be choices. If there's a decision to make, there are choices that we've got to decide that how we're going to choose. Number one, we can choose, first of all, to live our lives as Eve did by fulfilling our own purpose. In other words, we can choose our own purpose, follow our own purpose. You say, how did Eve do that? Very simply, she was living in a perfect place called the Garden of Eden. She had everything that life could possibly afford anyone, anywhere, any place, any time. She walked and talked and fellowship with the living God every single day of her life. As far as uh, her position was concerned, she had a wonderful position that she lived in. She had full authority. All the trees, the fruit trees were there for her eating. Anything and everything that she wanted was at her fingertips. There was nothing better, nothing more. When the Lord says that he brought all things to his predestined end, it, it meant this. It was a place of absolute perfection. And you guess what? That's how she lived her life. Until one day she heard someone say, but what about that tree over there? And when she heard that, she looked at that tree. It captured her attention. And when she saw that, she thought, hmm, maybe there's something more that God's holding back from me. So now she started to do what? Live for her own purpose. I'm going to take that. Because you see, maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. I'm going to partake of that tree. And when she did, the rest is history. She stepped beyond the boundaries that God established for her living. And as a result, she suffered. And so is mankind. Number two, we can live for others. We can live for others as Adam did. Adam was not deceived, we're told. But he chose to do what? Live for his wife. Because she made this decision and he was there with her. He decided that he would follow her example. Either it's for his love for her. His desire to be with her. We don't really know it all. But all we know is that he chose to live for another. His purpose was for someone else. 
not to follow God's purpose for his life. And then thirdly, we can choose to live to serve God, to love him, honor him, obey him, as Jesus did, as Paul did, as others did, all the other disciples did, Timothy did, and the list goes on and on. They made a decision to fulfill the purpose that God had for their lives, not to fulfill their own purpose, not to fulfill the purpose of others, but to see to it that they fulfilled the purpose that God had for their lives, which is to love God and to prove to him that we choose to use our will to follow him. His laws, commandments, statutes, and judgments to follow him, to worship him, etc. And we'll see that in a moment. But the decision that is made is what we have to understand will affect our lives personally, our children's lives, and our longevity, our length of days upon the earth. That's important to know. Decisions have consequences. So for us to decide to live for ourselves, look at Deuteronomy again, chapter 30, verses 17 and 18 will suffer these consequences. But if thine heart turn away so that thou will not hear but shalt be drawn away and worship. Notice a man's drawn away in his own lust. And worship other gods and do what? Serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Let's go beyond this or before this and see what took place when man chose to follow his own purposes. Going back to the book of Genesis, and you can see this, we can live under a curse. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, this is after they sinned, and it shall bruise thy head, bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, con thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And then Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So what is he saying? The ground is cursed for your sake. The body of a woman was cursed in childbearing, and so on and so forth. Why? Because they chose to live for self or to live for someone else. And that decision brought consequences. And so it was a wrong choice and a wrong decision, but these are the results of what they did. Look at the next one. You can also... Have your children affected by this? This is found in Genesis chapter 4. We didn't pull up the scripture for it, but you can read it for yourself. I believe we all know the story of Cain and Abel, don't we? Are your children precious to you? Do you want the best for your children? But look at what they did. Because of what they did, it affected their children. Their children now are affected by their decision, and Cain kills his brother Abel because the door was open to what? Jealousy, envy, selfishness, anger, all those Forces of darkness entering in caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. And as a result, of course, there was heartache and pain in their lives. And their lives were shortened here upon the earth. And thirdly, our lifespan can also be affected by the decision that we make. Look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. 
Now there are those that say, well, that 120 years was that time that he gave Noah to build the ark and people to repent. That's what some say. That's what some think. But I'm, I like the bare facts. And so I wrote down the bare facts for us this morning. 120 years seems like a long time, doesn't it? In the day in which we live. But when compared to this, before the flood, Enos lived to be 905. Canaan, 910. Noah, I'm sorry, Adam, 930. Noah, 950. Jared, 962. Methuselah, 969. Enoch, the father of Methuselah, 365. He was translocated. When you hear all the 900s and then you hear 365, it makes him sound like a little kid, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But he was translocated at 365. He didn't taste death. He was just taken. Where God put him, we'll find out someday. But imagine that. After the flood, when that statement was made, Aaron, the brother of Moses, 123. Moses, 120. Joshua, 110. David, King David, 70. Solomon, between 57 and 60. If you look it up, it's somewhere in there. They say they don't know exactly. Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, who took over the king, 57. Would you say the lifespan of man was affected by their decision to follow their own purposes and live for themselves? What greater force is there behind life and the lifespan of a man than God's? And when we choose to serve God and his purposes and fulfill them in our lives, there's nothing but blessing, praise God, attached to it. So let's look at that. If a person makes a decision to serve the living God, go back to Deuteronomy 19, 30 verses 19 and 20. Look at what he said. I call heaven and earth to record a record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Why? That you and your seed or children or descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice. And that you may cleave to him for he is your life and the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So a decision that is made to fulfill the purpose of God has blessings connected to it or attached to it. So when a person makes a decision, I'm going to live to fulfill the purpose of God, to love him, to obey him, to serve him, then I know I'm going to prove to him that I choose to use my free moral agency for his purposes, not for mine. And when a person makes that decision, I'm telling you, you live under a blessing that can bless you and your children. But look at Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16. Powerful verses of scripture. Because he hath set his love upon me. You're being here today. You're worshiping him today. You're honoring him today. You're taking the time to say, I am here. I'm going to take a part of my life, Lord. I am going to serve you in whatever way. You're setting your love upon him. Therefore, will I, notice the therefore. Therefore, will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows my name. Hallelujah. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him. Notice 
length of days and show him my salvation. We should take those scriptures, 14, 15, and 16, and I'm telling you, meditate upon them until they become a vital part of our innermost being. I set my love upon you today. I choose to set my love upon you. Why? That you may deliver me and set me on high because I know your name. When I call upon you, you answer me. You're with me in trouble. You deliver me and honor me. Can you think of anything better than that as you leave your life upon the earth than to have that promise from the living God in your life? And satisfy me with long life and show me your great and glorious salvation. Oh my, praise God. Well, like anything that we experience in this life, there's always going to be a challenge when we make that decision. And so therefore, I put a contrast here between the decision that we make to serve God and the decision that Adam and Eve could have made to serve God. And let's look at number one. They lived in a perfect environment. You could not get a better environment than the environment that they were in. You could not get a better experience in life than what they experienced. Every single evening in the cool of the day, they could sit and talk with the living God, walk with him in the cool of the day, and just interact with the living God. They were so full of glory that they could actually see him face to face and not die like we would die if we saw him face to face. Can you imagine that? Anything and everything that was there in the garden. Think about this, ladies. You didn't have to go shopping. Just say, come. No credit card needed. Just come. It's all there for you, for the taking, for the, just to speak. You've got authority. All the animals will come to you. No killing animals, no killing each other, nothing like that. It's a place of perfect peace, prosperity, health, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no evil, no sorrow, no sighing, no crying, no dying, no woes. None of those things existed in that place in which they live. But are you ready for it? That's not for you and me. Our environment is not a perfect environment. There are three ugly heads standing against us every day of our lives. The devil, the world, and the flesh. We were born in that kind of utopia. We're born in a fallen world, in a fallen state. Our flesh is under the law of the spirit of death, the law of sin and death. Our minds have been darkened because of sin. Our environment is evil as you look all around. I don't know about you, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Did you hear about the doctor who performed abortions? Who for 20 years, this is his own words, for 20 years he said, it was nothing for me to walk into wherever he did it, hospital, clinic, whatever it was, and have a big container full of arms, legs, torsos, heads, feet, just throw them in there for 20 years. He said, no consciousness of anything on my part. Callous to it. Just throw them in there. Go to the next day, fill them up again. Go to the next day, fill it up again. For 20 years, he said, I did this. Then one day, his child got killed in an accident. After getting killed, he goes back to work. Thinking he was going to do the same thing. He got himself ready. Walked into the room, and all of a sudden, something hit him. I can't do this. 
This life is too precious. I just lost my child. He stopped and told someone else to take over for him and he left. Refused to do it anymore. We're living in a society right now that has no value for human life. We're living in a time right now when people want to make laws that say it's okay to let a child even born now. It's got to where it was, first of all, in the first trimester, to the second trimester, to the third trimester, and now birth. How much worse can it get? Think about it. You talk about the environment that we live in. People leave this church. Young people leave this church. They go off from the school, college somewhere, and guess what? It's not too long for them to change the way they think. This is a protected environment here. They get out there and they hear all these other opinions that exist out there and they gravitate toward that. You see, we don't have the luxury of that environment that Adam and Eve did. We're living in a fallen world and we've got all these opinions that are out there and all these ideas that are out there. All these professors that are out there that are pushing their views and so on and so forth. So that makes to find our purpose a little bit more difficult or fulfilling it. Number two. Adam's wife was formed. Our wife must be found. Remember the scripture that says, Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. But notice, notice the point. Notice the contrast here. His was formed. Why is that important? Because you see, she came out from him. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Perfectly made. Full of the same glory. The same covering of glory. With the same thought process. With the same way of thinking. With the same privilege of walking with God in the cool of the day. With the same privilege of experiencing everything that was there in the Garden of Eden. To bless and provide for all their needs. You got to find a woman like that. You got to find a woman that has the same values. A wife that has the same views. A wife that thinks like you think. A wife that wants to serve the living God. You've got to find one. And you know what? It's getting more difficult in this day in which we live. When I went to school at Rama, it was called Rama Bible Training Center. It wasn't very long before I got there and understood that it was Rama Bridal Training Center. <laughs> That men went there to find a bride. Where else can they find someone with the same mentality? With the same desire? With the same longing to serve God and walk with God? Now not only did he have to, do we have to find a person like this so we can become one with that person. But then the third thing. They had a perfect uh, purpose. It was very clear. Very clear. Their purpose in marriage also was defined for them and we'll see it here in a moment but their purpose was clear you were created to serve God you were created to know him love him obey him walk with him and carry out whatever he has commanded you to do as his under ruler here upon this earth that was very clear yours mine clouded 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 by youth clouded by sin without a doubt we know that when you go off into college the first thing a person probably says is what do I really want to be what do I really want to do 
I know when I went off in school, I was really young when I graduated from high school. I was 16 as a senior, turned 17. I'm off to college. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? I don't know. What do I know? We're living in a fallen world. I don't know that. We have all these uh, influences that are out there that are ungodly. I didn't realize there was a spiritual warfare that I was in. And for the most part, most young people don't really know what I want to get into, what I want to do. Theirs was made clear. Ours is clouded because of sin and because of our youth. And we're trying to navigate through it. We're trying to figure it out. And that's not an easy thing to do. Their purpose in marriage was made very clear. In marriage, and please listen to me, husbands and wives, the number one purpose in marriage is to serve God together. That is the number one purpose in marriage. When he made her and ordained the first marital relationship, instituted marriage, she was the perfect mate for him, and they were to serve the Lord together. And there was no pooling influence to make them do anything otherwise. But us today, even in marriage, what do we have pulling against us? The devil, the world, and the flesh. We live in a fallen state. And so, when your husband is down, then the wife should be the one to say, come on, honey, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. When the wife is down, then he needs to say to her, we can do all things through Christ, honey. When the bills are somewhat behind or whatever, Come on, you know God supplies all of our need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's serve the Lord together. Marriage has a purpose as well. Serving God together and also seeing to it that we put God first in our marital relationship and that we honor him that way. And then also it's for companionship. Companionship. There for each other. They were alone. He was alone. And so he made, God made the woman. So for companionship, to love each other and to care for each other. And then number three, to also bear children. To bear children and rear up a godly seed was another purpose in marriage. And then also, number four, you could say that it was for sexual fulfillment because God made us all sexual beings. And then number five, which came later, but... It's to show the relationship that Christ has with the church. To give a picture. Ephesians talks about that. Chapter 5. Marriage is about painting a picture. As to what it's like between God's relationship with the church. Christ and the church becoming one. So in marriage. We see God has a purpose. But that purpose starts with these two. Serving the Lord together. And encouraging together. But because we're in this fallen environment that we're in. It's a lot more difficult for us. To find this person. And then to come together and fulfill that purpose that God has for our marriage. Then it comes to our position. The position that we hold in life. Once again, it was easier for them because it was given to them. Ours isn't just given to us. It takes a lot of hard work, effort, and energy for a person to finally fill his way through life and get to a place where this is where I believe God wants me to be. Wouldn't it be nice if God just placed you in a position or just dumped this, picked you up, put you, this is, this is your position. Their position was a wonderful position. Under God, they were to rule everything that was created. Fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every keeping thing that creeps upon the planet was subject to them and they were subject to God. So that's your position to see to it that you take care of the garden. 
What a wonderful place to be in. But now here we are finding ourselves in a place where we're, we're trying to navigate through life, finding out where we fit in. What does God want for me? What does he have for me to do? And here's the point. It starts with put God first, honor him first, let him know you choose to do his will for your life, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires in your heart, which means he'll birth within you desires that represent his will for your life. Commit yourself to the Lord, trust also in him, and he'll cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. Your plans will be established and succeed. I can only use myself as an example to be honest with you because I know me better than I know anybody else. And I just know that I was working in a mill and that mill was working great. I ran a mill crane, which you've heard me say many times before. And we were really working six and seven days a week. And the advantage of working in a mill crane, if the, if the mill was working five days a week, I got six days a week. If it was working six days a week, I got seven days a week. And so for the most part, because we were really busy and really working, I was working seven days a week. In some, some cases, I was doing doubles, working even doubles. So I had a tremendous job, had tremendous benefits and all that. And that's when I get this call to go to Rhema Bible Training Center. I didn't just walk away from nothing. I walked away from a great job. But you know what? God knew more about the job than I did. He knew when the mills would go down, I didn't. But he tells me, he speaks to me to go to Rhema Bible Training Center, and I have to leave all this behind. In the natural, it's like, you're, you're crazy. People thought I was crazy for doing something like that. But unless you take the initial step to step out and do what God wants you to do, you're not going to get the next step. And so I took that step. And when my boss told me to stay here, just take a leave of absence. We'll keep your job for you. We want you in that crane. I said, sir, I, I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever. I know deep within my heart that I'll never be back here ever again. I, I don't have no idea where I'm going. Don't have any idea what I'm going to be doing. But I know this. I'm putting, I, I didn't tell him this, but I'm putting God first in my life. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do no matter where it takes me. And yes, I had to leave everything behind. Family behind. Everything I knew behind. The security of my home, job, uh, health assurance, and everything that I had. All that was left behind to go somewhere. I felt like Abraham. A place, who knows, where a builder and maker is God. You know what? There is a place like that still. It's the place of his presence. It's the place where he puts you. I had no idea I'd be here. I would come back to, to take over a church and pastor a church. But you know, when you position yourself, like we just said, it'll open up to you. Lord, I'm putting you first. I'm serving your purpose for my life. I'm going to live for you to honor you when everybody else is living in the world, living for other people, living to satisfy their own des desires and needs. I am going to put you first. I'm going to serve you with my life. I want to hear from heaven. I delight myself in you that you could birth within me desires that represent your will for my life and then next Adam and Eve were rulers that were to serve but you know what you and I have to be servants in order to rule it's just the opposite would you like to join together with me and stand in line so we can do something to Adam and Eve when we get to heaven <laughs> in love in love Would you like to just stand there and just look at my eyeball to eyeball and just say, what were you thinking? Or just something as simple as, really? <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? 
I can just see my wife hold me back. Hold me back. When she gave birth to Dante, hold me back. It was too late for the epidural. Hold me back. Yeah. Why would they do such a thing? I guess if we were there, we probably would have done the same thing. Who knows? The point is it was done. Now, if we serve him, our purpose will unfold as far as those other things are concerned. But what's our primary purpose in life? To prove to God what we will do with free moral agency. We are free moral agents. We have free will. We have the right to choose our destiny and destination. It's up to us to make that decision. And that decision will translate into actions. So in conclusion, we're all here on this earth. And our purpose as far as life is concerned is found where? In God. And we live on this earth to glorify him. To know him. To love him, to serve him, to obey him, to worship him. That's why we live on the earth. To let him know, I choose you. I'm choosing no matter what I face in this life to serve you, to honor you, to obey you. Well, in Adam, and I think this is so important to know. Getting back to the things that need fixed. In Adam, everything that we just talked about was broken. Man's purpose was broken in Adam. Be like this hot water tank that we just had to have replaced. Right, Dennis? Thank you, by the way. It was only two years old. They don't make things like they used to make anymore. Have you noticed that? Two years old, gone. Couldn't be fixed, so it had to be replaced. Do you know that man's relationship with God was broken in Adam? But Jesus came to fix it. Jesus came to fix it. And Jesus fixed it so that you and I can once again live on purpose. And our purpose is to develop a close relationship with God. Serve him in any way we possibly can. Serve him that way. Now, isn't it something when you look at these two perspectives? Here's what you find out. Adams involved the tree, didn't it? See that tree over there? Don't touch it lest ye die and things get broken. Well, they touched it, they died, and things were broken between God and man. Jesus died on a tree. Jesus died on a tree. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Faith in what? The death of the Son of God on that tree. You know what that tree stands for? The decision that you and I will make. We can choose self or we can choose what Jesus said. If a man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. This is called true servanthood. This is why back in 70s when I came to Christ in the charismatic movement, people were coming out of denominational churches 
like you've never seen before. And what were they doing? Experiencing reality with God. And what happened? It set them on fire in a blaze. You know what took place in me? I was the kind of guy that when, when I was a teenager growing up and I had to go to church, it was the worst thing in all the world. Um, you got to be kidding. Especially when you get like 16, you can drive your car. I will confess to you, I shouldn't say this, but I confess to you, there were some times and mom and dad thought I was going to church. I went down to the bowling alley and shot a few games of pool with my friends and came back home. How was church? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> now, don't look at me like you never did anything like that. Come on. I'm fessing up. You fess up too. And then there were times I would just be there like this. I'm just sitting there like a bump on a log and just like, oh, how long can this possibly go? It was the longest 45 minutes I think I've ever encountered in my existence. I'm sitting there and sitting there. And finally, as I'm just sitting there, there was a point during this particular service that you can exit and still get credit. <laughs> Check him off. He was there. And when that took place, boom, out the door quickly as I possibly could. Right? You following me? Then there was a time I'm sitting there next to this. Oh, you shouldn't be a cohort with somebody like this. I'm sitting there with a friend of mine, my neighbor. And we're just, we're minding our own business for the most part. And no disrespect. No disrespect whatsoever. I'm losing a few myself. But this, Brother Mark, he had a little bit more than that. This guy sitting in front of us. And well, that was okay till the fly landed on his donut and it used it for a racetrack you, you would think that it must have been Beelzebub that's all I can it's had to be the lord of the flies it's going around the circle and, and for he goes like this to me I'm going oh no don't do it. he hits me like that and I start chuckling like this my mother gives me a pinch and I settle down just for a moment but he's he's got me going now and now this thing is still going around his, his and so finally I'm just you know, shaken with laughter like that. Now I get the pinch with the twist. Did you ever get the pinch with the twist? Oh, it's worse than the pinch. I went from that. Rolled up my sleeves. I've been born again. I'm washing the blood of the Lamb. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joiner with Jesus. Find me a church to go to. Praise God. You could not keep me out of church. You couldn't keep me from serving in the church or doing whatever it is my hand would find to do because I was ablaze for God, on fire for God. I wanted to get baptized in that muck of that water, that mucky water I got baptized. I tell you about all that slime that was in that water that hadn't changed it for a year. I came up out of it. I had to take a quick shower, but praise God. I was shouting the praises of Almighty God. I'm born again, washed in the blood. I'm an heir of God, joined with Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. You couldn't, I'll tell you what, you couldn't hold me down. You couldn't hold me back. I got my Bible with me, took it to work. I read it all the time, all these books. I got excited about all these books. I just on fire for God. But it seems like a lot of that fire is, just, is, is fading away in our society today. They're saying that people's church attendance is just falling off. People don't want to go anymore. They want to watch it on TV or they want to do whatever. And I understand if you can't get there, it's one thing. But my point is, beloved, our purpose in life is to let God know. As a free moral agent, I choose you. And I choose you first. And because I do, everything else will fall in place. So if you're a young man out there and you're saying, I want that wife like Eve. Don't think you're going to go to sleep and wake up with, well, hello. <laughs> nice to meet you here. 
Where'd you come from? Uh, your side. Not going to happen. Okay? Not going to happen. But listen to this. You want a woman like that? Then make you a son that he can send his daughter to. Did you get that point? You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he'll say, honey, there's a good one for you right there. Let's stand up.